Welcome, I'm Andra, and this is the How Do You Know podcast. In this show, we'll learn how to make better decisions and open up our view to everything that's possible. I interview great decision makers to discover how they built and improved their process along the years. I really hope you'll find it useful. Let's dig in. Today's podcast guest is Vladimir Wanin. He's been an entrepreneur for more than 10 years, and he's gathered massive experience building a product that was acquired and that later became part of a bigger company. So it's clear that he's had to make plenty of decisions from what strategic direction of the startup would have to hiring, to um, choosing how the product would work and how it would evolve. He's a guy whose way of thinking I appreciate immensely. His perspective on life, he's very structured approach, he's no bullshit uh, way of looking at things and talking about things. is something that I've always admired and respected about him. And I'm really glad to have him on the How Do You Know podcast because it gives me a chance to dive deeper into how he articulated his way of seeing the world and his actions and his habits in a way that ensures he's adaptable and he's able to thrive in complex and quite uncertain environments, such as the one we are dealing with today. Currently, Vladimir is the co-founder of DeepStash, um, an app whose goal is to help you become more inspired, wiser, and productive through bite-sized ideas. And the way that he approaches this new company he's building is truly inspiring, and you'll see why during our conversation. So in this uh, episode, we explore many of the aspects that uh, tie into decision-making from both like a general wider perspective, but also tying in Vladimir's specific experiences and the way he reached certain conclusions and what he saw worked for him and could maybe work for you too. I love that Vladimir is never prescriptive in his approach. He always asks thoughtful questions and he triggers reflection and self-awareness in a way that um, helps the people around him level up, including myself. So I hope you'll enjoy this episode and I hope it serves you well in this time where we all need a bit more clarity, a bit more focus, and a bit more objectivity around our choices and their influence on the rest of our lives. Thanks for listening. Vladimir, I'm really glad that we're finally getting to do this and have this conversation. Um, at the same time, I wish there were there was a more positive context around this. But I think that in times like these, it's even more important to talk about, to, to just pay attention, first of all, to the traces that we're making, and then to maybe talk about what helps us stay um, saner and hopefully productive. And if we get lucky, even creative these days. So uh, thank you for making the time to be on the show. My pleasure. Happy to have you. Um, I wanted to start by asking if you feel that decisions are becoming more important these days, you know, from small ones to big ones, uh, when everything around us seems beyond our control, 
how important do you think decisions are? As important as they they've always been. Um, I think they are as important and they as they were yesterday. Um, but yes, I I feel like we are leaving aside the, the current events. I think we are progressing towards uh, a place where we feel the burden of our decisions more and where we were asked to make more and more decisions. Um, so this is mainly because we're all connected and uh, we all see what everyone else is doing and we get more ideas where we have uh, our levels of, of ambition is, is, is going up. <clears throat> but also because the, the the valuable parts of our economy are are becoming less predictable and more uncertain and chaotic. Um, and while this is good, I mean, like dynamism in, in economy is usually a good thing. We we perceive this as a as an as an emotional burden, and it's scientifically proven. And decision making kind of depletes our willpower and makes us more miserable. <clears throat> so, in the last uh, decades, we are asked to do more, to make more and more decisions on a daily basis. So, um, I think decisions were as important as ever. But yeah, we are we are aware of and required to make more of them on a daily basis more of them both for ourselves and others and maybe this is something that uh until now in our daily lives we sometimes pay attention to how we make decisions but more often we had all these automated kind of behaviors and habits which is normal because that's how our brain keeps functioning and uh is able to handle more complex tasks than just you know deciding what to wear every day and things like that of course, but it's not it's not just um, I don't know deciding what what clothes to wear because we now have Instagram and we know like every every day is a show. Um, so we have that 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 burden of additional decisions, but in in more fundamental ways. I mean, pre enlightenment, let's just say, most people I think uh, lived lives that that. I don't know, had very, very little variation. I mean, like, uh, mostly because people didn't travel, they didn't have access to information, and but also societal uh, pressures. So you were born, you were probably going to do the same job as your parents did. You're going to get married, have kids, never leave your village, uh, go to church every Sunday, um, these decisions are pre-made um, for you by the church or whoever uh, was in charge, and then you died, and the new generation kind of went to the same the same motions. Uh, after enlightenment and our economic boom by by the industrial age, everything is up in the air and for discussion. I mean, like more people nowadays are atheists, so like what is the purpose of my life and what is good and what is bad? All of these are, are questions, very deep questions that we kind of have to deal with. Of course, we, we're, we don't live in a, on a planet of philosophers. Uh, but yeah, now people 
people have to make these micro decisions and they have to think things true way more than than our grandfathers so and grandmothers so yeah i think in in, in this way we're we're changing and of course then we have to decide what to wear and who to impress and all of these these micro decisions but even like the big decisions like what's my purpose in life what should i think of my life I mean, this whole idea was was not a question that our grand grandparents asked. Like, I don't know. I'm here. I'm going through the motions, and I die, and that's it. Uh, now is like, should I be happy? What is happiness? What will make me happy? Would a career make me happy? Would a relationship make me happy? Should I travel? I saw that guy on Instagram. He's traveling a lot. He seems happy. So should I do like? like him and be like her, uh, will, will that bring me happiness? But maybe it's not happiness. Maybe I should help other people and I should be more altruistic. All of this are, <laughs> these are like very debilitating questions. And even if you, you don't ask them rationally, they can really take a toll on our emotional well-being, especially since I don't think we're trained to, to, make as many as many decisions on a daily basis as you would like. Absolutely. And we can see this in, well, how people react when they feel this overwhelm. And we've seen this a lot nowadays. So as you were mentioning throughout history, there was a rather set course for life, I guess. Yeah. And even nowadays, there are still, I mean, remnants of that would still kind of direct people towards the next stage or the next step in their lives. But especially now, with the level of uncertainty that they're see that we're seeing, when we look ahead, at least the sum of the people, not everyone, uh, I feel like everyone around us, even in our bubble, people are still a bit, they're kind of in disbelief that this will be like a big thing for the economy and that there will be like major shifts and major transformations and a, a very delicate, very uncertain, unforeseeable future for us. Um, but the people who, who kind of sit with these questions, especially these days, uh, will have to deal with a lot more self-doubt and a lot more... Uh, I don't know, grappling, trying to fumble through the dark for some answers and something that seems like stability, I guess. So I wanted to ask if um, if you've seen people make, let's say, more uh, emotional, irrational decisions in times of uncertainty and what what's different for people who manage to stay calm and who manage to stay connected to, let's say, a more objective way of seeing things well yeah i mean like yeah most most people make i i think we all make irrational decisions um some i think the difference between us is that um most of us only make irrational decisions um and a few people out there manage to, I don't know, to to have a small percentage of their actions be guided by what we can call rationality. But yeah, I think we're all irrational and uh, clearly in times of crisis, uh, we show our true colors, <laughs> um, if you will. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I had no expectations that uh, we would we would behave rationally. Um, so 
yeah, I mean, like, why do some people stay calm? And uh, I think this is very important, and it's probably one of my biggest uh, my biggest realizations over the past uh, few years um, in 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 regard to decision making, and but probably living like a living like a good life. And it comes from this idea of acceptance. I think the the issues like the one we are going through these days um, pressure people and create fear, but it's fear because we cannot accept reality. I think we accepting that, that the world is a certain way, um, is probably the biggest, the biggest thing that someone can, can do to live a better life and make better decisions. Uh, because fundamentally I think all the issues stem from this non-acceptance of reality. Um, I mean, like we're going now through a pandemic, that's a reality. Um, shit is going down. Uh, things are going to get bad. Um, so you can, you can accept it and be aware of, of the situation. Um, and, but not accepting it as in, I don't know, like watching TV, but deep down accepting that this is the, how the world is, unfortunately. Um, and then in, in, in this, in, in this, I don't know, canvas thinking about your decision-making, uh, uh, but if, 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 if you start with the assumption that what we're going through right now or any problem in the world, it's like some sort of an, an, of an, of an injustice that has to be corrected by someone, by God, by the state, by whoever you think is, is in charge of your life, uh, will create a lot of anxiety and, and unhappiness. So, um, for me, I think everything starts with with this idea of, of awareness and acceptance of reality. And I know it sounds um, now like everyone accepts reality, but I don't think people accept reality. Uh, we don't, first of all, we, we do not experience absolute reality. So what we actually experience in life is an interpretation of reality through our senses, our emotions. So we, we all live in 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 the world that is running by by a script that we all have in our in our heads um so um you know, most of us don't accept reality and when events happen that kind of contradict the script that we have in our head like oh this shouldn't have happened uh this this major event shouldn't have happened uh, uh i don't know my girlfriend shouldn't have cheated on me or my company shouldn't have gone bust or whatever we think that this is like a glitch in 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 the system and we don't usually we don't change the script in our head we usually blame someone else or we just feel an anxious and uh, we, we get stressed and so on and so forth. All of those are counterproductive. And I mean, any, any sense of calm and serenity um, in the event of um, some, some negative uh, event is, is the baseline for, I don't know, living a proper life going forward. Um, so yeah, um, I think that that makes all the difference. And um, today, you see a lot of people focusing on when it comes to decision making you know, on 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 tools and and, and hacks and tactics uh, like 
um, how you should make decisions like Jeff Bezos. Here, how he makes decisions. Or here is the five-step rule to do this that, I don't know, Warren Buffett is doing. And if you do these five steps, uh, you'll be like Warren Buffett. Kind of like, I don't know, the Nike ads. Like you you, you wear these pair of, uh, of shoes and all of a sudden you'll be as good as Michael Jordan playing basketball. Um, and... And of course, that's that that's superficial uh, because if you wanna if you wanna be as good as an investor as Warren Buffett, um, you you don't need his method. You need his underlying rationality, and you you need his brain. And you can have glimpses on how he looks at things, but. Uh, Warren Buffett is as irrational as most people. So a lot of his decisions are emotional. The, the, the thing that we have to ask is what, how does he interpret his emotions? How does he relate to, to his life experiences and stuff like that? And that's very, very hard to, to, to replicate or even access. So, um, and the, the level that I'm talking about this like awareness and acceptance of reality is like very, very philosophical, but it's, it's like strategy is it has to start from an epistemological level like how do i how do i see myself in this environment and the answer to this question will will make all the other tactics more or less important um so yeah i mean like look at the world accept it uh, there are i don't know a lot of thinkers in the world that are talking about this from i don't know the ancient stoics to i don't know aristotle to whatever ayn rand uh, in the um, in the previous century um, so lots of thinkers deal with with this acceptance of of reality as the cornerstone of of um, of a good life and it absolutely still is nowadays as well. And while you were leading us through all of these uh, kind of how these concepts work together and how these ideas have worked together throughout history, because uh, the concept of acceptance has withstood the test of time simply because it's a given for any any generation, any society, any type of culture, any type of um, issue that we're maybe confronted with. Sure. And what I noticed is that uh, that frustration that the misalignment between reality and the reality that we expected to live and to felt like we were entitled to, uh, the frustration that arises from that can actually push people to try to control a lot of what's going on around them. Sure. Um, especially for people who have a higher need for certainty, like I am. <laughs> and I've been battling with these kind of control issues for, for a long time. I wanted to ask you if there's a way when, when the pressure is on, when the stakes are on, um, if you have a way to kind of figure out what is within your control um, and focus on that to give you some sort of footing in the in that situation. Well, I mean, I, I think you already pointed out um, what I'm trying to do is like focus on what's under my control. Um, I don't always manage to do that, but uh, I think that would be my uh, my guiding uh, uh, set of 
principles, like figuring out what I can do and how I can influence the situation and do that, uh, focus on, on that part. And of course, in, in many, many instances, we focus a lot on things that we cannot control. Um, like right now, there are plenty of debates on what will happen, uh, what happened, the whole pandemic. And I mean, everyone is kind of like an armchair strategies these days, although the situation is uh, it's beyond the control of, of most of us. Those discussions are pretty much pointless. Uh, but those are easy discussions. I mean, it's way easier to talk about uh, macro events and, I don't know, discuss about conspiracy theories than, I don't know, looking in the mirror and figuring out what we should do better about ourselves. I mean, that's um, that's kind of the issue, I think. It's, it's, it's a form of procrastination, what we're doing. I mean, uh, especially out, outside of like, let's just say politi politics, but it happens in, in, in the work environment as well. I mean, so many people are doing like politics and discussing, I don't know what, how in, in all the ways in which their bosses suck, or I don't know why this project is the wrong one and stuff like that. And, uh, because why, because it's, 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 it's easier, yeah. <laughs> it's easier than, I don't know, focusing on your stuff and accepting reality and uh, and what comes out of that acceptance and uh, getting down to 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 the things that you can actually have under your control people don't i think we don't like to have responsibility for many many things actually i think the the more responsibility we get, uh, the more pressure is for some people and they run away from responsibility. Um, so yeah, um, I, I try to focus on things that matter. Um, that's easier said than done. I, I know the theory, uh, but I do catch myself in many, many ways on, I don't know, focusing on, on, on less important stuff. And that's because I, I have this tendency of boiling the ocean and I I, I wanna understand something um, in, in detail before, before I can, I don't know, like make a decision or decide what it is that I should be doing. Uh, and after a while, that's just, I don't know, procrastination I'm, I'm 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 looking at things from all these angles uh because i i want to postpone making a decision or deciding <laughs> on doing something uh but i'm yeah i'm aware of my tendencies and um, um i'm uh, lucky that my colleagues uh are much more pragmatic than me and uh, they keep uh, they keep my uh my desire for for intellectual precision in check <laughs> Uh, it's it's super important to have nowadays kind of a, let's say, just a group of people to share ideas with, whether it's colleagues or the community or, I don't know, mastermind group or whatever it is. Um, I feel that we all need each other these days to keep just to maintain our sanity and to make sure that we're not running off in any extreme direction uh, if that should happen. Right. Um, you mentioned your colleagues and I would I wanted to ask. Your experience as an entrepreneur is so, so long and it covers so many um, experiences from early stage to high growth, to selling a company, to advising so many startups and talking to them and watching them pitch and pitching yourself so, so many times. So you've seen the type of, let's say, 
usual behaviors that startup founders have when they're under pressure. And there is a lot of pressure, especially in the early stages when looking for funding in all, all these situations and experiences. Um, I wanted to ask if what exactly from these experiences makes you um, resilient in times of change and what helps startup founders become resilient because it is going to get very tough uh, for everyone and especially for startups who have to be scrappy and have to be um, just very resourceful in general. But now it's just became, it just became like 10 times harder or even more than that. Yeah, sure. Um, it's it's going to get harder. It's already harder for, for all the companies. I, I don't think there's a, a, a large segment um uh, of uh, of the companies in the world that are doing extremely well, I think startups will will feel the the crisis uh, very very hard. Um, a lot of a lot of the startups uh, will, will die. Um, not that many survived anyway. Uh, but yeah, let's just say that the the bloodbath uh, will be uh, will be more severe this time. Um, I. The the issue is on the on the emotional state and the mental clarity of the of the founders. Uh, I mean, if they are well grounded and um, and I know manage to keep their team um, um, engaged um, and they have a clear sense of purpose and direction, then they have a bigger chance of surviving. Um, because I mean, like. Companies early days they live and die by the enthusiasm and the vision of the founders. Uh, so um, if those people who started who started the company are okay, uh, then I don't know. There's a there's more likelihood for the whole team to continue to operate. If they get paranoid and uh, irrational and and stuff like that, then probably the company company doesn't have a bright future. Um, And now we we require those virtues more. And usually uh, one thing that that I would focus on is uh, focus on the, the reasons that the, that made the the founders to start that company in the first place, and, and there are there are good reasons to start a company and bad reasons to start a company. Um, the bad reasons are I want to make a lot of money, and I had this. There's this trend in like I don't know robotics or AI or machine learning or virtual whatever, and people seem to be making a lot of money. So let's jump on board and get get our cut. Right. Um, or um, I just want to be the boss. Uh, nobody can dictate me. I want to be in charge for for a while. And I mean, there are a lot of like silly ego driven reasons um, that make people start companies. And while a lot of them succeed, uh, I, I don't think that's that's enough to pull you through a crisis like the one that we're going through. So I would. Um, I would uh, I would have more faith in in companies that have started where the founders were emotionally invested in a problem they care deeply about that problem they understand it very very well and um, they have like a, a, a purpose their company is a, is a is an extension of their desire to do something good in the world in a in a specific segment of of the economy so 
yeah, that's that's kind of what I would focus on. If I'm an entrepreneur, I will be thinking like, do I really want to do this? Uh, <laughs> like, do I really want to do this when, I don't know, we would run out of money? Do I, do I want to go without pay for, I don't know, a long time? Can I? Um, and um, because, yeah, I mean, if, if your whole reason was to make a million dollar fast, um, that's unlikely to happen in the new context of the economy. So you, you, you might be very disappointed uh, by the outcome. So yeah, I would focus on like, what are we doing this? And if, 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 if entrepreneurs are committed, like they think that they have found something that is, that, that is really meaningful in this world, then I, I, I think you're on the right path and the other challenges might, you may approach them from, from with the right perspective. Uh, and I, I think in these moments of crisis as entrepreneurs, you have to really pause and, and, and think if what you're working on is really meaningful. <laughs> uh, speaking about like why you started a company, like do I, am I really adding anything of value to the world? Um, and of course, I mean, like, I'm not saying that a lot of the companies who are optimizing like these part of a value chain are not important, but you should care about that. I mean, like if you're doing it, like, uh, I have this AI based ticketing system and I'm, I'm just doing it because I, I could do good PowerPoints and I can link five hype words, hype word together. Um, then I, I think personally, uh, that this next phase will frustrate the hell out of you. <laughs> uh, especially if you have zero empathy with, with your users <laughs> and potential customers. So yeah, um, that's what, that's what I would focus on. Like the intentions of starting this company and, uh, hopefully those intentions are virtuous enough and, uh, and, and powerful enough to, to, to pull you out of out of this absolutely and i think there is also something that's connected here having this vision uh not maybe not uh, the, the the perfect vision but having a mission having kind of going back to your why and making it very clear yeah will also kind of filter the people around uh the founder whether they're supporting members of the community or employees and so on and those who will uh, who actually believe in the same thing um, and who are aligned with the founder, I think they have a better chance of weathering this through and kind of sticking together and making their work count because uh, because we've never experienced something like this, like the current pandemic. I think that there might be a shift in the way we perceive value and the way we evaluate value, but maybe I'm being a bit too optimistic and uh, idealistic. Uh, but in every crisis, there's this opportunity to refocus our attention on what actually matters, on what we actually need as, well, a world, yeah. uh, as people who are connected together. And I think that now is more obvious than ever. And there's... I, I know that maybe this doesn't sound perfect, but I feel like there's uh, the, the, a bit of irony here that this 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 outbreak specifically has taught us how much we depend on one another to actually be healthy and stay alive. 
which is something so basic and something that we take so for granted so so often. Right. Um. So there's there are going to be some very deep social implications here that basically can change the face of society. Um. And looking at what happens at at this shift, looking at ourselves in this context, I think that it would be helpful to rely on some mental models that point us in the right direction, especially because we're going to have our brains scattered, our minds scattered all over the place. So I was curious because I know you're not just an avid reader, you're a reader by excellence, uh, not just because you read a lot, but because you take so much from what you read and you also share it with others. Um, I wanted to ask, um, you know, what mental models are your go-to kind of go-to tools, mental tools, uh, these days in, in general? Uh I was a big fan of, of mental models. Um, um, I, I, I study them all. Um, I they 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 didn't make me a a, a more rational person. I, I found. Um, I mean, I think it they're interesting if we want to rationalize our past our past events more than I don't know help us improve going forward. But they're fascinating. I mean, I looked into I don't know. Uh, all the blogs and interviews. I know it's a trend with mental models. Um, I, they, they, they didn't work for me as a personal tool. Uh, not because I don't think they're they're awesome, um, but I don't think they have practical value. And um, in a way, I I, I kind of change my perspective a little bit on on rationality. And I'm gonna tell you like what my current interpretation of rationality is, and like. like kind of what what I'm doing um so I I think we we used to think of rationality in in very I don't know extreme terms like I don't know people are uh we we should aim towards a like like a Spock like uh method of 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 reasoning um I'm talking about uh, Star Trek of course um, like that, that's an ideal of, of, of rationality. And you have like philosophers in the past, like from Aristotle to like, I don't know, Ayn Rand that I mentioned earlier that have this, uh, huge respect for, for, for rationality and people who live a rational life. But I don't think that, 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 that's an, a representation of how we experience reality, to be honest. And I, I even like some brain studies. Like for example, if you ask someone to pick a to pick a ball out of many from a table, um, you will see that the 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 part of the of the brain that we use for for reason gets activated after we have started to reach for the ball. So, yeah, the the decision is made first, and rationality kicks in second. And uh, w- with that experiment in mind, I mean, like, and of course, it can be. 
uh, it can be extended to to other decisions. But a lot of our de- uh, our decisions are subconscious. Uh, we 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 try to use our reasons just to explain why we did certain things. To explain to ourselves first of all, like why did I reach for the red ball and not the blue ball. Uh, and then you come up with a story on why red is more important to you, but you didn't pick red. I mean, the decision was made before whatever you think is you uh, kicked in. Um, so uh, the reality is uh, most of our decision making, probably 99% is done subconsciously. And uh, But still, we're making a lot of these decisions on a daily basis. Uh, I think the number is like 10,000 an hour uh, decisions, that micro decisions that we have to make. And uh, clearly, rationality will not would not help us here. So in a way, um, I, I kind of break decisions into two batches, more like important, irreversible decisions where um, I think uh, having a pause and going through some sort of a process is is important. But for the rest of this decision, which uh, kind of make up the bulk of, of your daily experience, I started to to be more, much more appreciative of intuition. <laughs> and um, I, I think intuition is and um, is is this mechanism that our AI, if you will, <laughs> Um, that kind of automates uh, some responses based on based on our past and and our emotional uh, uh, emotional past. Um, so and 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 I think how we <clears throat> how we instinctively respond to to something is is really really important. But how can you train something that you cannot control? So I think here, and I'm 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 not really sure that this is the right method, but. I think we can build better instincts um, if um, if we are just more aware of introspective of our past uh, past decisions, if you will. So that can take that can be I don't know like any sort of meditative experience, whether it's like a Tibetan style meditation, or for some people I don't know going to church and 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 praying, or for some other people is I don't know walking in nature, but having having time to to look at your life objectively from like a third person uh, perspective, um, it's, it's, it's very, very useful because if whatever your subconscious is or whatever consciousness is who's making all these decisions that you now have to have to justify, um, uh, I think, I think is important. I, I, because I, I think we, People look at their brain and their their intelligence as like a CEO in the brain, like the big boss who's uh, making all the calls. And uh, I wear this little genius in 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 my in my skull. Uh, but yes, I mean, like he's a he's a really powerful powerful uh, person in my head. But actually, uh, our reality is 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 different. I mean, the the voice in our head is more like the PR department than the the CEO of the company. I mean, the PR department who has to make up 
um, reasons for all the fuck-ups <laughs> that, that happened. Uh, well, yeah, I picked the red ball because red is an important color to me. Or, yeah, of course I highlighted, I green-lighted that shitty project, but based on the data that I had at the time, it was a brilliant project to start. And, of course, we're, we're, we're making, we're, we're very good at justifying our actions. So I think by, by focusing on uh, understanding or at least realizing what it is that we're doing, because a lot of these we don't even realize the decisions that we're making and having this set up time for for introspection i think in time will 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 lead to 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 better intuition because if we observe ourselves and we think about the things that that we're doing hopefully uh, we're going to we're going to make smaller and smaller but better and better uh, decisions and of course for the for the big projects, um, the, the important decisions, let's just say, and I, I, those for me are the category of, like, uh, what should I do with my career? Should I keep my job? Should I become an entrepreneur? Should I marry this person? Should I have a kid? Uh, should I start a company? I mean, like all of these uh, big irreversible decisions. I mean, you only have a few of them on a yearly basis and probably tens of these decisions in your life. And for them, I think uh, uh, pausing and not being, not using your instinct, um, it's it's probably helpful. And But here I'm, I'm not using like a mental model, like, hey, this, I'm, I'm doing this, this technique of making a decision. Um, it's, it, I, I use, I don't know, ethics in a way, because fundamentally, when you ask why enough times, you get to like very deep, deep shit, you know, <laughs> like, uh, like I need, I want to change my job, but like, why do I want to change my job? Well, I'm unhappy. Like what makes me unhappy? So, okay, cool. So I, I don't like this job because uh, I want to work on more ambitious projects. So uh, what sort of projects? And you go into these like journey of understanding of why of why that decision is important to you and going through that process, you find out what are the, the elements that you have to optimize for. So in a way you're deconstructing, deconstructing the problem into variables that you can operate with. Uh, and you know at least what you're optimizing for and what the, uh, what the shortcomings of that decision might be. Uh, you, you're building a vocabulary and a set of tools to work with the problem. Uh, but yeah, for on a day-to-day -day basis, um, I'm, I'm becoming more and more appreciative of, of instinct. And by the way, I mean, like, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a rationalist. I like reason more than anything. I love the enlightenment and, and stuff like that. So it's weird to, Advocate. to <laughs> ha have this appreciation of, I don't know, spiritual, uh, spiritual practice. Um, but yeah, it's it's an acceptance of reality. I think uh, the the Spock, it's it's yeah, he's a he's a TV character. He's not reality, and uh, we we don't look like him. So we have to optimize for who we are, not uh, the the characters in the TV series. I love that modeling your own your own critical thinking, your own kind of way of connecting and reconnecting with yourself especially when it gets tough this can be so so super valuable and it looks so different for everyone and i love that you mentioned that 
there are no shortcuts and there are no hacks because I feel like we need to say this and will need to say this for a long time going forward simply because for such a long time uh, they've been uh, served on various uh, platters uh, online and offline and everywhere else simply because um, they're appealing to people and there are easy ways to get a craving, yeah. it kind of get satisfaction for a craving you're having. And I feel like everything you describe, this personal method of yours, kind of this process that you built, um, is really actually building a way to trust yourself when you make choices, especially these small ones that you can't think through every single day because it would simply not be feasible at all. Um, and trusting ourselves these days can... I feel can be very empowering, especially because we need a little strength and a little extra kind of um, not just extra resilience, but faith in our ability to do things and to pull through difficult situations and to navigate um, uncertainty and a lot of complexity. I feel like complexity has simply exploded in our all our faces uh, not that we didn't deal with it before, but you had like a way to kind of hide that complexity under various habits and social interactions and manner of doing things. But uh, it's just exploded. And now we have to like, we have this. What do we do next? <laughs> sure. Clearly, a lot of the fear and anxiety uh, that, that we experience in, in our life comes from the fact that we don't feel like we're in control. And and a lot of that comes from the fact that we don't understand why we did certain things or why certain things happened to us. Um, and um, that that tension uh, comes back to to the to the core the, the the core realization that I mentioned earlier of accepting reality. But uh, connected to that is accepting reality. And the other thing is to accept that you are the first responsible for your own life. Your life is your life. Uh, so everything that you do, I mean, your life is, is a, is a reflection of, of your action and it's your responsibility to, to improve it. And if, if more people will be focused on their true life, their true sense of individualism, let's say, I think we would be better off as a, as a society because a lot of the, the stuff that's happening right now with the pandemic is, is just pure, pure emotion, right? There is, um, um, there is no, there is no response responsible um, sense of communication because if you would respect your life you'll be focusing on on your life and what means uh, what 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 a good life means to you and maybe it's like I don't know your parents or your company or your community and you'll be focused on that but what most people who, are, who don't think they're in control of their life or that their life is their responsibility all they do is look at the news and be outraged um, and 
but yeah, I mean, like that's that's again because we don't like to be responsible for our own existence. Because I don't know, looking reality in the eyes, looking yourself in the mirror, kind of sucks. <laughs> it it does, it does, and it takes it takes guts and it takes uh, not backing out when you don't like what you see in the beginning. And uh, exactly, yeah, yeah. It, it it definitely takes time. <laughs> But looking looking yourself in the mirror after you're doing it for a long, long time actually develops your self-esteem. You you mentioned that that correctly. I mean, like once you understand yourself and you know yourself um, with good and bad, and you have this uh, accepting of yourself and 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 reality that makes you very confident because you know what you're working with. You know the environment. And if you know, not only do you know it, you accept it and you know what you can bring to the table. <laughs> you know where your strengths are. You know what your weaknesses are. You're aware of, of the, the power that you can, you can unleash in the world, the creative power, uh, the positive, hopefully, power. Um, and also, you know, your limitations. And of course, that, that, that's the difference between confident uh, people and people who suffer from, I don't know, an, uh, imposter syndrome, let's say. Mm. It's, it's a long way to this, and it may not be accessible for most people, especially now in the beginning. And sitting alone, not just alone, but sitting in, in, in your home and, you know, having less things to distract the mind with. Uh, not that the internet and the, the TV don't provide enough. Maybe an opportunity to, to do this uh, practice of self-reflection. But to get there, we have to eliminate some triggers and we have to peel away and just uh, do away with some distractions and the biggest one and I feel like something that can become very very toxic nowadays is the news and then general just that it's drinking from the fire hose of news that is pouring out every day everywhere non-stop it, it just it you can't find a corner of the internet or any type of social conversation these days without um, running into the crisis, running into opinions, running into anything that's remotely uh, related to it. So you have so many years of experience of going through enormous amounts of information and trying to make sense of it. And I like to talk about Deep Stash as well, which is what you've built to um, kind of embody this, this experience of yours and this pursuit of yours that's so long and, and goes so far back. And my question here was, how do you manage information overwhelm? What would you say are some key things that people should just consider when looking at everything that's coming towards them um, nowadays and going forward and generally in life? Well, <clears throat> I wouldn't I wouldn't pay a lot of attention to news. <laughs> um, and again, I'm, uh, it's easier said than done, especially these days where I'm as guilty as everyone else for refreshing certain tabs in my browser and, and trying to see if uh, if the doomsday scenario got closer every day. Uh, but in general, I I I try to distance myself from from the news, and there are large periods in 
and in the year where I have almost no connection to to the news or the politics and stuff like that. I mean, a few months ago, um, I didn't know that we have a new government uh, until like, I don't know, a few weeks, months after it happened. Uh, but it just didn't, uh, was not important to me. I didn't check it. I didn't care. Um, so I had other stuff to focus on. And I think that's that's extremely healthy long term to distance, uh, distance yourself from this constant barrage of uh, mostly useless information. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm not perfect, but yeah, I'm trying to, to not follow the news and not to get into politics. Um, not that I don't have very strong political views, but I found that, uh, I don't know the daily, um, the daily news or the discussions that happen in social media are quite unproductive. Um, to say the so, least. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no news, no politics as much as as much as possible. Um, and but then the idea is like, what else? What else I consume? Um, well, I I try to read purposefully, um, whether there are like online publications or books or anything that I consume. I I consume on purpose. Do you match your uh, sources to kind of what you need to learn at a certain point? Or do you have like a plan? Um, I don't know, reading plan of sorts. Yeah, when, when whenever I'm consuming something, I have a detective mindset. See, we, we came back to mindsets. <laughs> but yeah, my mindset is, uh, is um, I, I read like a detective. Um, so I'm trying to find uh, the good elements in in anything that I read, something that I can that I can use. Um, so whenever I read something, I read it with the purpose to find useful stuff. And a lot of the content that I consume has no usefulness in it. Um, it's just throw away, um, or it has entertaining purposes. Uh, um, but the the good one that I stumble uh, stumble across has a lot of like insights, pieces, things that uh, things that I can use, um, new ideas, new methods, things that inspire me, things that give me um, a, a creative angle that I haven't thought about. Um, so and and then the when re- reading through that, um, I have to make sure that those those insights. Um, find a way to become productive at some point. Mm. And um, so, yeah, I mean, like I'm my, my philosophy in terms of reading, I say it's like I read with a pencil in hand. Um, and of course, I don't have an actual pencil, although my my iPad has a, a nice digital one that I don't uh, don't use that much. Uh, but no, it's like taking taking a lot of notes, I think, taking a lot of notes of what I read and having a method to take this um, uh, this avalanche of, of notes that I collected over the years into something useful. Um, and and for me, I mean like we are we are going through through a time of uh, immense uh, pressure because of um, 
unpredictability and chaos and, and stuff like that. So um, the, the valuable people in our society, the most valuable ones are the people who can put some sort of an order into this chaos and all the creative projects that are the most valuable in today's economy are, are projects that deal with making something out of nothing or at least something unique, not based on a recipe that, uh, that I don't know, was, uh, was repeated over, over many years. So, I mean, you can see that in music, you can see that in, in technology and, and stuff like that. And a lot of like our daily jobs until recently, I mean, like he, we had these geniuses who came up every few years and they invented some new stuff and then we all cheered, uh, put them in our textbooks and be done with, with it. But now like our daily, our, 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 our daily uh, our daily work is impacted by that. We, most of us, we are required to do something that we've never done before. And not that we haven't done it before. Nobody else <laughs> has done it before. So it's not even that bad. I mean, like, no, it's, it's more bad, actually, because you don't know what the outcome is. Uh, or should be, you cannot even define it. So, I mean, for 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 a lot of the the workers out there, uh, there is so much so much uncertainty, and uh, coming up with some sort of a structure is is key. Um, and in order to do that, you have to write, and you know that better than than anyone. That uh, putting putting some content together is is very very hard. And but it's not just for content uh, content uh, producers like you. Um, it's for any creative outcome, like if any project. If if you want to send, I don't know, a rocket to the moon or Mars, or I don't know, you want to run for president, or you want to create the next uh, Billboard album. Um, it all starts with with writing something down, right? Putting a plan together, uh, having some pluses and minuses, doing something. I mean, like uh, writing it down is a tool of, of, of thinking and um, any good project starts with that and usually gets managed through through the written word. Uh, and, but here, I mean, like where, where I think my method, and it's not that it's that original, but my, my method starts from the realization that uh, uh, a, a document, and I use that as a as an analogy for anything creative, anything of value that starts with the document. But the document doesn't start with a blank page. Um, and I, I think we have this wrong idea that we have we decided to change our lives, start a new thing, and come up with an ambitious project, and then. The way we start that is by looking at with looking at a blank page and then the blinking cursor, and then we will let the divine inspiration find us and inspire us to create greatness. Uh, I don't think that's actually what it happens, and I think uh, the the blank page is is I don't know at least the second step in a process, and that process of creative output starts with the inputs, starts with what you read. And you can access that through your notes. So I think it's uh, the quality of your output will mirror the quality of your inputs. And uh, that's why I take consumption very, very seriously. Um, a lot of the ideas that we 
put on paper, uh, whether they are you know, well-constructed uh, article like yours, or just, I don't know, some scrappy, some scrappy notes, are not collections of divine ideas that have been bestowed upon you. Um, they are usually other people's ideas, stuff that you got from your parents, the society, the news, the whatever. Um, so you are you are working with other people's ideas, and to the extent that we can have anything creative to offer, what we offer is connecting other people's ideas in a in a novel way. That's that's what creativity is. Yeah, layering a bit of our experiences on top as well. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, pretty much. I mean, like uh, creative creative process. It's 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 more about remixing remixing old ideas than, I don't know, having a, a Mozart-like experience where, I don't know, the the, the holy ghost uh, <laughs> comes upon you and you have the divine inspiration to create an amazing symphony. I mean, like, that's, that's not the creative process for, 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 for almost anyone. So we, we have to connect ideas come up with our own flavors but we're working with some bricks we're working with 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 something that we that we consumed previously and i think it's very very important to start there like let's make sure that i'm reading with purpose and that what am i what i'm absorbing it's it's really absurd so when i want to use this information at a later time and when i look at that blank page I don't look at a blank page, actually. I mean, like, I just collect ideas um, um, and connect them together in a way. And that's the backbone of, 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 of my project. And I know you do that when you write, because I'm pretty sure yeah. writing <laughs> the document is usually the last step <laughs> uh, and the easy step. Uh, the hard steps is what am I trying to say? What information do I work with? I have this concept and I have to introduce this fact and actually the order is backwards or whatever. Exactly. Um, so you're working, you're working with bricks in your head and then connecting what you're doing by writing is just connecting the blocks together with some narrative, uh, yeah, narrative uh, content, let's say. Uh, it's the same for every other project. Uh, I know yours, your output is something that gets published and people come and read it. Um, but it's the same like when you want to start a new, a new technology product or you want to innovate something, you still have to bring your blocks together, connect them. Uh, the output may be different. Maybe you need to convince some people to join your team or maybe you need to convince your boss to give you some extra budget. Uh, but it's still like some creative output that you made out of out of everything that you have in your head. I think that you explained so well um, kind of how you articulated this entire, let's say, structure. I don't want to, I don't know if you'd call it necessarily a framework, but just a way of looking at things and just your perspective and how you actually poured this into a product that, 
others can use to do the same for their ideas. Because one of the most uh, pressing challenges that I've had throughout my years of actually making a living out of writing, which I only dreamt of in high school, but (laughs) uh, looking back, uh, it actually turned into a thing and I had no idea I would end up here. Uh, My main, one of my main challenges throughout all of this was to not only keep this knowledge and extract it and keep it in a way that's organized because I need structure to function and that's just how I work, um, but also find a way to activate it when I need it. And that's been like one of my biggest challenges and it sometimes still is uh, because I take all these notes and I usually take them like I write them down in a notebook simply because I enjoy writing and that's one of my main ways of learning (laughs) and that's it applies to work it applies to everything that I've done throughout my life Um, and finding a way to organize that and to activate that is can be extremely difficult and we can miss out on a lot of things I mean you read a good book and you tell yourself you're gonna read it again because you really enjoyed it and you want to dig deeper but like 99.99% of time, you never do read that twice. And exactly. that's just, it's not lost because some of it stays with you, but not enough to make a difference, not enough to nudge you in the direction that got you really excited when you were reading like page 56 or whatever book you were reading. Um, and to capture that moment and yeah. that energy are essential to anything that we want to do. And it can be a book, it can be a page, it can be a video, whatever it is, whatever it is that yep. that drives us, we need more of that. Yes. <laughs> uh, we need more of that to keep us focused. So um, tell me a bit about how people are, how people are using Deep Session, what kind of, uh, what sort of feedback you got from them um, after they started kind of changing their habits around organizing knowledge for themselves? Well, yeah, I don't think a lot of our users uh, think of organizing knowledge and stuff like that. Actually, that's uh, that's why I think uh, our product is uh, is is picking up traction is because we don't we don't say any of the things that uh, we have been talking about for the for the past uh, half hour. I mean, we're not selling knowledge management and, and stuff like that, but we are um, we are a syn- synthesis and professional note taking service, if you will. Um, so we, we 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 talked about how important note taking is and how it's actually note taking is the foundation of every creative creative project, whether it's an article or or anything that you might be focusing on at, at work. So note-taking, I think, is, 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 is really, really important, but um, note-taking is, is hard. And you mentioned some of the, some of the ways in which it's hard. Uh, uh, for most people, it's very hard to put into words what it is that they actually liked in, in in a content. So they may read a book or they may go to an article or whatever and say like, that was pretty cool. And when you ask like, what was the cool thing about it? Or what it is that you like, that's usually a question that, uh, that frustrates um, a, a, a lot of people uh, because the emotional relationship, it's much easier to observe than to go through a rational, like what it is that I liked. Was it that idea or that element or like whatever? <laughs> I, I just keep the feeling and, and not worry about the details, um, right? Um, but let's say you go over that 
of that hurdle and you actually think about it well actually i like that idea or i like that example and i think it's it's that thing that is is the is the actual nugget then the, the problem is you have to write it down <laughs> and writing things down hard like oh yeah, so most people don't write it down. But even if you write it down, for a lot of people, the quality of of their 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 scribblings um, is is let's just say low. So if through some some uh, divine intervention they find that note again, um, it's it's very uh, it's it's unlikely that they will understand what it was about. Um, and then there is a problem over organization. Like I have these notes, like where do I put them, in what order, um, how should I organize them, by by what topic, by, by I don't know year, whatever. So I mean, like just just and this is I'm we're talking about like you listening something or you reading something and finding that that thing cool, and you see how many how much willpower we have to we have to deploy in order to make a small simple note so to my experiences most people don't do it and the few people that do do it badly um so deep stash uh, kind of reverse engineers um the written text let's say so I, I our vision is to take an article that you wrote and to be able to postpone uh, to postpone to go back in time i don't know when you were just uh, creating your core ideas before you connected them and just access access those blocks uh that actually made made that piece so uh in the same way that um, I don't know, DJs or electronic music producers started to manipulate uh, the audio files. Because, um, I don't know, before, before electronic music, uh, you had a record uh, or you, you witnessed someone playing and you, you consume the, the music or the song or the album in bulk. Um, you couldn't you couldn't break it down into its pieces, and of course that's that's quite hard. But with the new electronic devices and hardware that we have, uh, it was easier to get. I just need that sample. I I I I, I need that vocal vocal uh, pattern and and stuff like that. I want to create something else out of this, and that's how we got electronic music and hip hop and R and B and like this this explosion of of creativity. And those people are not inventing any symphony on their own. They're just taking things and creating something new and on their own. That's very hard to do with a written text. It's very hard to to do a Kanye West on a book. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Kanye is being a, one of the most successful hip hop uh, uh, remixers. Um, but Deep, we were trying to do that with Deep Stash. Uh, so uh, we're focusing on articles right now. So for for the articles that we present, we present them in this novel format uh, with as a list of ideas, which are like uh, small cards with with concept that are summarized. Um, they could be like definitions, or they could be like uh, processes, uh, methodologies, quotes, anything that qualifies as a, as a nugget. Um, of, of information that you would like to um, to access at the later at a later time. Uh, 
So most people just use it to consume larger quantity of information. Uh, but I, I think our success has less to do with like education, but I think we're giving people um, a novel way to experience things that they already know. Because our product right now, it's very, it's, it's very um, single player mode, so it's read only. We haven't added the functionality to for people to contribute their own their own ideas, their own content. We're gonna do that, by the way, in the next uh, releases. But for the time being, was a was a consumption uh, focused product, um, and people have this ability in the product to save any ideas that they stumble upon that they like. And in most cases, those are things that people already agreed with, uh, things that they kind of already knew deep down, but they were lacking the vocabulary to understand it. And they were lacking the vocabulary to present it uh, in a way that it can become productive, uh, you know? And with DeepStash, once you find something that you already kind of agreed or knew, but it's it's a new discovery because you discover that that fuzzy thing in your head, but in full resolution. It has like all the words and the right words. And I can take this this thing that I kind of believe in already and uh, and I can use it to pitch my project or I can uh, use this as, as an argument in my, my fight with my spouse or whatever. I mean, like any any anything knowing how to talk about something that you agree i think is very very powerful and people in our app just go through ideas when they find something they save it and we uh, our format uh, our ideas have to help with all the issues that we have been discussing with with note taking i mean um our notes are professionally made i mean like we 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 have a team of people who are asked to actually explain a certain concept or a certain uh, a certain idea as good as they can with the right words they, they are formatted properly they add the minimum size so you can consume them just by glancing at your screen they're easy to find because you can search them and we have all these ways to to resurface them at the right time and they are put in the right categories you don't have to worry about where to put them um, of course you can customize it but uh, the defaults work for 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 a lot of our users, so it's um, it's a it's a new product category. Uh, it ties to some of the things that we have been discussing so far. Uh, but yeah, it's a new way to consume information in a, a new way to 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 take to take notes. We are early on. I mean, we have started um, our mobile product of eight months ago or something like that. So uh, we are not an old um, an old product and we have a long way ahead of us. But yeah, I mean, like our mission is to help people work with, with content and information in a way that would make that consumption productive. Um, so you feel like you're getting something out of it, something that you can reference to, something that you can pinpoint to, something that that can make whatever creative project that you have on hand um, better in any way. And you basically underpin uh, 
a very healthy habit and you you bridge bridge this gap exactly like you said it you bridge this gap between having the knowledge and actually putting it to work and actually doing something with it which is something that we need a lot more of i mean curbing our consumption would be very helpful and making more time to activate all that knowledge and those insights and those ideas and actually doing something with them uh can be incredibly empowering um, and the other side can be can have this paralysis effect and just lead us to endless consumption that turns into procrastination, like we talked about earlier. Right. Um, I feel like this entire conversation has been just you know just listening to you, just getting to get a getting a glimpse into your into your thoughts, into your way of seeing the world, um, is is uh, incredibly helpful, and it's a deep learning experience that always kind of motivates me to go even further and to start picking apart at these ideas and start using these building blocks to to improve myself and hopefully things for others as well. So I really appreciate you sharing all of this and doing doing it so honestly because um, as we both know, because we've been around startups for, for so, so long and you have even like such an incredible experience around them, um, this level of honesty is not uh, the usual standard. It's not the usual, the acceptance and self-acceptance of where you are, what you're doing it, who you're doing it for. It takes a, a mature founder and a mature person that spent a lot of time wrestling with these things to reach this level. So thank you for making them part of this podcast. Thank you. I appreciate it. And before we wrap up, um, because we're not talking about hacks and because we're not talking about shortcuts, I wanted to ask you if you have um, a question that you'd like to leave kind of listeners with. Uh, uh, hard one. <laughs> um, I mean, something that builds on uh, when I think uh, an hour and a half conversation is ask yourself, what do you do what you do? Um, and I know it's a, it's a big question. And if you take the question seriously, you will have to think about it for <laughs> many days, weeks, months. Uh, it's not an easy question to, to answer. And if you're honest with yourself, you, you'll need to do a lot of like unfolding until you, you're figuring out why you're doing what you're doing. So, Yeah. Uh, that would probably be it. I think it's connected to our uh, discussion. And it ties it in like a, we're, we've gone full circle uh, in in, uh, in this conversation. Uh, thank you again, Vladimir. This has been um, very insightful and very, um, it's just made me even more curious to start working on, on some of these aspects myself more um, and hopefully sharing these with, with others and uh, kind of supporting each other throughout this very long journey that we have ahead of us. Uh, just like you do with um, all of your, not only your customer, your users and customers, but also with your team and with the rest of the community, because I know you do a lot of that as well. So thank you again. <laughs> thank you for having me. Bye. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the episode. You can find links to all the resources we mentioned in the show notes. If you have feedback, please share it in a review on iTunes or any other podcast app you're using. I want to understand how to make the show better and more useful for everyone involved. You can always reach me 
on my blog or on Twitter. You can also subscribe to the weekly email I send. It comes packed with great resources focused on, what else, decision-making. Don't be a stranger and thanks again for listening.